There is more going on than you know. There are unseen universal forces at work. The law of attraction is just one universal law that plays a part in shaping your reality. But there's so much more to know. If you knew how to engage all the universal forces, you could deliberately create the life of your dreams. Joshua, a group of non-physical teachers, explains the laws of the universe and how the mechanisms of physical reality actually work. They are channeled by Gary Temple Bodley, and each week, Gary and a group of students discuss how they are affecting and enhancing their lives every single day. This is the expansion of the Law of Attraction. This is the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. We're thrilled you're here. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Law of Attraction Roundtable. I'm your host, Gary Temple Bodley. This week, we're going to talk about kids. I don't have any kids, but I like talking about kids. I don't know why I like talking about kids. I don't have any kids. If I had kids, maybe I could relate to what you people are going through. But anyway, it's my favorite subject. And Joshua has a very fun take on how to raise children. So this week, we're going to talk all about children, how to raise children, how to raise children consciously, how to think of them differently, how to think of them you know, based on who they really are and all that stuff. And today, we're going to take a question from Sir Gunn, who is raising two kids, and she has this whole idea of, you know, when do you, when do you like, make them behave, when do you tell them what to do, and she's very consciously aware of her role as a conscious creator dealing with kids. And so this is going to be a fun, fun, fun episode, like, you know, probably the best episode we've ever done. On the roundtable today, we have Tracy DeLuise. Hi, Tracy. Hi, Gary. And Wendy Pierce. Hi, Wendy. Hi, Gary. Can you tell that I've had three cups of coffee already? Slow down, (laughs) cowboy. (laughs) All right. So, you know, this, I I don't know why, but this is my my favorite subject is to talk about kids. Maybe because, like, if I was raised, you know, I was raised pretty well because I had 13 years of a mother who totally controlled every single aspect of our lives. I mean, we were, had to go to nap. At a certain time every day, we had to, to uh, go to bed every night early because basically she couldn't handle two boys. So <laughs> she tried to get us, you know, get some time for herself. And But she was also afraid of screwing up and my dad being mad at her for, you know, anything happening to us. And so anytime we got injured, it would always be her fault and stuff. So she was like over-controlling. In fact, she used to go to see movies first and then make sure they're okay for us and then we go see them. I mean, talk about oh, wow. That's dedication. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so then, when my parents got divorced, I lived with my dad, and all of a sudden, I was absolutely free to do whatever I wanted to do because my dad worked during the day. So we would go to school, we'd come home, we'd hang out in our house. We used to have these fun parties. We had a stereo. We were totally into the Beatles and stuff back then. And then my dad would come home. He'd make dinner, and then he'd go out on dates. And, you know, there was no cell phones and stuff. So we'd be out playing until dinner time, doing, you know, going all over the place. And I even remember a friend and I, I guess we were in like seventh grade, and we got on a bus from La Jolla and went to Old Town, San Diego by ourselves. Wow. And hung out there and just did stuff around there and then went to come home and the buses stopped going. (laughs) <laughs> and so we had to figure out a way to get home, and, and I guess we called our parents, and they came and picked us up. And nobody cared. It was totally cool. Yeah. We used to do these 20-mile these, um, charity walks. Uh-huh. You remember doing those back in those days? Yeah. Yeah, you'd raise yeah. money for every mile you walked, and so yep. you walk in these groups. We walked all over San Diego. Nobody worried about anything. It was, yeah. it was an amazing time. Yeah, but sure. now people tend to be overly protective of, of their kids, And how does that work, given what we know about the laws of the universe? We'll discuss that today. So um, let's start with the quote of the day, shall we? Sure. I don't know how it'll go without Mark, but you can give it a try. Okay, let me see if I can do it as well as Mark can. Yeah, probably not. But, you know, let's let's just set the expectations really low. Okay. So, me, me, me. Here we go. Your perspective that you are the parent that you have experienced more of life and therefore you know what's better for your child is a fa- flawed pro- see? Right. See? Right is a flawed premise. 
Your child was born with a level of understanding that is far beyond your comprehension. Mm. I see this in my grandson all the time, all, especially now being aware of these teachings and watching this little being. It's like, and he, he doesn't really have many words yet, but he understands everything, but I can just see his little brain. And I mean, he's, he's, he's set, you know, he's got an agenda. <laughs> How old is he now? He's going to be two and, and uh, the end of this month. Yeah. Yeah. Is he your first grandchild? Yes. Oh, uh, and you have three boys. Three boys. Yeah. Yep. First one. And Tracy, how many grandchildren do you have? Are you grandmother yet? <laughs> Stop it! No, no grandchildren. <laughs> <laughs> I have three beautiful children, and uh, you know, sometimes it comes up in my head. Oh, I wish I knew this stuff. You know, back then when they were Thank kids. You. But honestly, I don't wish it. I don't want to. You know, anything to be different because they're really amazing children. You know, I, I found these teachings when they were all teenagers. So, you know, it's great now that I have it. And I think, you know, these teachings, they make fun of me all the time. Ma, just allow, just be allowing, you know, we yeah, make, right? you know all kinds of jokes. Back at you. Yeah, but they love it. You know, we laugh about it. And honestly, I have to say they are just awesome, awesome kids. They're yeah. sweet, they're yeah. kind, and you know, they're really good. And I well, we got friends with kids who are going through all kinds of different things. And, you know, you have one kid that's super smart going to college. You have another kid that's lost and finding himself. You have another kid that's, you know, uh, young and you see the parents worrying about every aspect of them. And, and uh, the kids today are, seem a lot different than we were when we were kids. They have, they're more intense sometimes. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're probably way more intelligent. They have access to technology and stuff that we didn't have access to. And they seem to get it real quick, yeah. you know, all this stuff. Um, but the parents, on the other hand, are seeming to be more in control. And I think also as, as families are smaller, you know, you give, you know, you worry so much about that first kid. But by the time you have the seventh kid, the seventh kid... <laughs> Is exactly. allowed to do whatever. Well, no one has seven kids anymore. Everyone has just one or two. Yeah. I'm sort of amazed of how many friends I have that I went to high school with don't have any kids like me. Really? I mean, I could count 15 people I know who don't have kids. Wow. And then a whole bunch who only have one. Um, and that's, I guess, the thing about as we get more affluent, we are able to, you know, do things and have careers and 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 having many children isn't as much of a thing for us. While that still occurs in you know developing countries, for Western societies, the childbirth rate is steadily going down. In fact, I read an article about Japan where they have like uh, thirteen thousand vacant homes because and they don't know what to do with them because they have no immigration and they're their childbirth is, I think, less than two. So it's way less, replacement is like 2.3 kids per couple. And they're like 1.9. So their population is declining and they're having a, a big issue with that. Our population is increasing, but primarily through immigration mm. of US. And you know, this is the, the worry that this, the world's gonna be overpopulated. There's 7 billion people now. They think by 2050, there'll be 10 billion people. And then what's going to happen after that? Well, what's going to happen as the world gets more affluent, there'll be fewer and fewer children being born. So it'll level off, they think, at, at uh, I don't know what, um, five or seven billion. But anyway. By affluent to Japan. Yeah. <laughs> By affluent, do you mean like more like educated and um, like people aren't having the bigger families because they're expensive? I think that 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 desire to have children is different if you don't really have any options. You know, hmm. I did some work in the Bahamas, and the main desire of every person I talked to who was an employee of this one company was to have kids, and they really wanted to have families. Maybe it's because they have the culture that. The kids are going to take care of them when they're older, that sort of thing. 
But when you have things like social security and retirement and you're more affluent, maybe that's a point where you don't think that you need that kind of security that other cultures, you know, used to uh, think about. Hmm. I don't know what it is. Huh. Something about affluence, something about the wealthier company, countries are having fewer children per capita. Hmm. Yeah. So who knows? But anyway, as other developing countries become more affluent, it's likely they'll follow the same trend. Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you would think having kids, you know, having kids in a developing country probably isn't that expensive. Having kids in a wealthy country, because now you're going to private schools and you're yeah. buying them stuff, electronics and stuff. <laughs> yeah. You know, you want, you want them to have a better life than you had. I mean, that's yeah. probably the theme of parenting. And so to do that, you have to make sure they go to college. You have to do all these things you think will make their lives better. Yeah, down. it's expensive. And that reminds me, yeah. So uh, I went out last night with my girlfriend, Andrea, and she was sitting with her friend, Will. And so we were having a conversation, you know, when we were at the Carolina Vines. Andrea was like, yeah, Will, you're going to have kids. He's like, no way. I'm never having kids. And I'm just looking at him, watching. He's going on and on. She's like, yes, you are. You have to have kids. And He's like, no way, no way. I'm like, well, why not, Will? He goes, they are way too expensive. And I laughed. <laughs> He's a young kid, 33 years old, and he was just adamant. He was like, uh-uh, I am never having children. <laughs> yeah. well, I can't afford them. And I'm like, interesting, you know, how people think. Yeah. Seems like, seems like a lot of work to me. Yeah. <laughs> also a lot of joy, okay? Let's go on the flip side. It's a joy. It's fun. I there don't expect them to take care of me. I enjoyed raising them. <laughs> yeah. Well, also these, you know, intentions were probably set prior to your birth. Oh, yeah. You know, I think about me having become a channel. It might have been weird if I had three kids and what would they think about that whole thing? Dad's, yeah. oh, dad's a channel now? Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, so the whole idea is that we are born at the exact time and place where our vibration matches the vibration of the earth at that time, at that day. Mm -hmm. And the earth, you know, is so big and it has less resistance. And so the vibration of the earth is expanding and increasing. And so those who are born now are born at a higher vibration because the earth is at a higher vibration. While our vibration also increases, we have resistance so we don't keep up to speed with it. And this is what's responsible for the generation gap. Hmm. The way that we were a match of the earth in the time we were born, those coming in now are a match of the earth now. And this is why it's <clears throat> difficult for us to keep up with technology, but they are ready for it easily and effortlessly. And that's why five-year-olds are teaching 60-year-olds how to use Facebook. Exactly. And that's like my grandson can always, already knows how to swipe and pick out like the pictures and stuff he wants to see. It's like, can't even really talk yet when he's yeah. using an iPhone, you know? And he doesn't get a whole lot of screen time. I mean, they, they limit his screen time. So it's not like he's on that phone all the time, but it's like in the minute he gets it, it's like inherent. He knows how to do it. Yeah. And so what some things that we considered to be appropriate and good mm -hmm. don't match what's appropriate and good for the kids who are coming in now. Exactly. You know, our exactly. parents were saying, don't sit too close for, to the TV. Exactly. You know, mm -hmm. and go outside and play. Uh -huh. you know? Well, now it's not that same sort of thing. You stay inside and play maybe. Maybe you play on video games. Maybe video games are more tuned to the mind of the person who's born at this time. I don't know. I mean, I was really into video games too, but we just didn't have access to it. Yeah. A lot uh, more organized sports. You know, like yeah. kids are very scheduled these days. Oh, someone was saying a joke about baseball. You know, why aren't kids playing baseball? Why do they want to sit at home with their video games? Because baseball is boring. <laughs> I remember sitting out there in Little League, just sitting in the outfield going, all right, is the ball going to come? And oh my God. Matter anyway. That was my son. He played baseball for years and, you know, they had him out in the outfield, center field. And, you know, he was really good at it and everybody wanted him to play, play. He's like, Ma, I can't. I don't want to stand outside, you know, stand in the sun and sweat. And, you know, he was just like done with it. It was boring as hell, he said. 
Yeah, but get get a video game that they're making now, mm-hmm. and you can you know completely get focused on that. Oh yeah, and it's fun. Yeah, I like I like the the different variety of things that you can do now. Yeah, it's, you need that balance though. I you know my kids See, that's, are very that, active. Like, yeah. like they, they're boys; they needed to express that physical energy, and I mean, too much video games, and they just got irritated and, and riled up and it just they needed to run yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's why they play lacrosse <laughs> yeah lots of running there yeah, yeah lots of running yeah so you know if you think about how you were with your kids um and there's this issue about making them wrong yeah. you know if they come in with a higher vibration here to explore then, then whatever they're, you know, they have their own inner guidance as well. And so you're saying, well, do they really have inner guidance or is it my responsibility to make sure they turn out right? And yeah. what's that right mean? Well, it's based on your perspective of what's right, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I have friends who have done beautiful jobs raising their kids. The kids are in college and the kids are following the exact same path that the parents did. Mm. Excel in school, and then you'll get a good job, and then you'll meet someone, and then you get married, and then you'll have kids, and then you'll do this whole thing over again. Well, is that really the point of life? Is the point of life to get a job? I'm thinking it's not, more and more. That certainly you can explore everything you want to explore in a job, but this idea of Western society is that you have to live life this way, and if you do, then you'll be rewarded with, you know, money in a house and things and stuff like that. Whereas Eastern philosophy is more like you learn how to feel good now and then you'll attract a reality. And so we're, we're into that second thing where this is an environment of exploration. And if you guide people into a certain format of that exploration of control, then they're sort of on this path that maybe they didn't intend. You know, of course, everything's right as it is, but if we can just think a little bit higher about another possibility, and my first thing is thinking about school. Putting kids in one class, teaching the same thing to everyone at the same time at the same rate is a ridiculous idea. Mm, You know, and I think more and more people are understanding that. And I agree. You know, and... People, kids especially, should not be cooped up in a, inside, in a room, focused on something that's never going to matter to them. Oh, it's so true. I remember oh, watching a, a video. Uh, you know, they would bring projectors into the class, and they would make these films. And the films were, were something we always looked, for, looked forward to because it was better than you know, the droning on of the teacher, yet it was always ridiculously bad. And one of them was about Peru and what the experts of Peru were, you know, in <laughs> black and white movie. I was like, are you kidding? Like, first of all, I mean, I'm, I swear to God, I'm seven or eight years old. And I'm rem- remembering this time. And I'm thinking, this is nonsense. Who cares what the experts of Peru are? They're going to change <laughs> anyway. You know, by the time I get out of here, I'm never going to remember this stuff. And why would I ever need it? And it's going to be different than it is. Then I get into college in the 80s and computers are just emerging and I'm in all these classes where they're not using a computer and they're talking about technologies of the 60s and 70s. And I'm like, this is never, you know, I'm in marketing. Marketing is never going to be this way again now that we have computers. Everyone in class knew that except for the teacher. They were still teaching these old stupid things from from the 70s and 60s. And they were all 60, 70 years old, too. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so I uh, just this whole system of that education. And if you guys haven't seen the Sud- Sudbury Valley School, you can look it up in YouTube. Sudbury Valley School is a school that started in Connecticut. There's now hundreds of them all over the, all over the world. And it's radically different where there is there are no teachers. The kids run the school. They only do whatever they're interested in doing that day. And all of them will eventually gravitate to something that they, they want to learn about. 
And if they need to learn to read, then they'll then they will read like that. They will learn how to read in weeks. If they need math to to explore whatever they're interested in, they'll learn math quickly. Because as Joshua says all the time, you receive what you need when you need it. And if you need to learn math or you need to learn English or anything to do whatever you're exploring, that information will just be downloaded so quickly into you. And if you watch those videos about this, this school, you can see that that's exactly true. It's radically different than how we think things are. Well, remember trade schools? There used yeah. to be trade schools and now trade schools are gone, but I feel like there'll be a new version of trade schools because it's not like you don't need, not everybody needs to go learn math and history and chemistry and all that. It'll be more like what you're saying. If you're focused on carpentry, you'll go to a carpenter school. If you enjoy nature, you'll do something with an, a nature school or there'll be like, it'll be more in, uh, not segmented, but more like, um, focused on what your, your interest is versus a general knowledge, which that's basically what school does now is gives you a general knowledge of everything, which, you know, there's a lot to be said for that too, being well-rounded well and knowing a little bit about everything. But I think more and more kids are wanting to fo truly focus on something. Well, the idea of general knowledge doesn't make sense because if you're not interested in it, you can't learn it. And the only reason that you can take a test and pass a test is because the test itself is important. Yes. You, you give meaning to that test because if you do well, then you think that means something about you, like your parents Memorizing. will approve yeah. or you'll get into some school or down in the future will mean something. Or you use your grades as a reflection of who you are. You know, you prop up your persona, mm -hmm. I'm good in school. Mm -hmm. um, Fabian is at a, uh, works at a very prestigious college. And she's written a book called The Flourishing Student. And she's worked there in 2005. She took a sabbatical and came back in 2015. What she noticed was that the kids in 2005 were radically different from the kids in 2015. The kids in 2015, their entire identity was based on their scholastic achievement. Mm. So when they came from their high schools to this prestigious college, they in their high school they were the top performer and so they, their persona was based on this fact that they're top performer now they come into the school and they're just like everyone else no one's a top performer everyone's the same and so their whole identity is shattered and they're going through major problems like a lot of suicides and stuff like that because they their identity has fallen apart now yeah and you know, if if you didn't have that focus on grades and achievement and stuff that doesn't matter and only focus on what you're interested in, see, that's the difference between a true desire and a false desire. I am a good student because I think that people will like me, approve of me, and accept me. And so that's an inauthentic way to to navigate through reality. It's not who you truly are. It's it's achieving something only to feel accepted and loved and worthy. But of course that's taking the outside conditions and making yourself feel something you don't feel. So then at some point that has to be reflected back to you in manifestation events, pointing out that you don't feel worthy and you're just using the conditions to make you feel worthy. And that's going to fall apart because that's, mm -hmm. you have a limiting belief and you're not living authentically living authentically is navigating through reality, coming to be who you truly are without needing anything from the outside conditions to make you feel anything you don't feel. That's the new approach of allowing. The old approach of control is I'm going to manipulate people and conditions in order to feel something I don't feel about myself now, which is what I did my whole life. Yeah. 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 yeah so the, you know, the class, if you think about the classes you did well in, those were the, the ones you were interested in. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You think about dyslexia, this is putting kids in a class, teaching them to read when they're not ready to read because they have no interest in reading. And so they, they form some sort of issue because they're not prepared at this, at this juncture. And hmm. that issue doesn't occur unless, you know, if you are allowed 
this is my theory, if you're allowed time to develop on your own schedule. Right. And if you're a, a boy, you know, if you're a boy, you're rebelling against this classroom structure. You want to be outside playing with your dog fishing. Yeah. And that's what they do at the Sudbury School. Um, the founder of the school talked about how his son was struggling in school. So he developed a school where the kid can do anything he wants, play video games all day, do whatever he wants. And so quickly, the kid needed to learn how to read and do math and, and did it super quickly. Then their younger son went in and all he did was fish with the dog every day for two years. And the founder's going, geez, maybe I made, made a mistake here. Maybe this doesn't work. <laughs> and then soon enough, the kid got interested in something and needed to learn to read and, and then everything fell into place. Yeah. yeah. And so when I got out of college, I had literally no idea what I wanted to do. I was completely lost. I had no interest. All the interests that I had going into college were, you know, were not um, developed because I had to take these prescribed courses that were not interesting. Mm -hmm. But imagine if you were, you know, so then I had to find my way. So imagine if you were able to find your way when you're five. You know, the fear is that the kid will never learn to read and write, will be, will be uh, illiterate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's never the case. That's just a fear. It, you know, it's not how it is. Well, and everybody gets so excited. Oh, my kid learned to read at two. My kid learned to read at three. Like mm -hmm. it's some badge of honor, but it's like it's just every kid is different. So right. why do we put that, you know, so much importance on things like that. Why not? My kid learned how to share at two or, you know, yeah. <laughs> something different. Well, why even use your children right. as a badge yeah. of honor? Exactly. You know, because really the children have nothing to do with you. Right. You're right. just portal. There's so many people yeah. identify with it. Yeah. And it's, that's just how society believes, you know, they yeah. look at your children as a reflection of you. I mean, I get, yeah complimented all the, all the time oh my god yeah. your kids are so great you did such a great job raising them yeah. and in and my I head I'm sure like, i did that job yeah, yeah. yeah. i'm like it wasn't me <laughs> it's them i'm like you yeah. know they don't get it so many people are just so that's the fundamental belief of parents mm -hmm. is that they're responsible for the outcome of that child yeah, yeah. but in knowing what we know about the lives of the universe, the child comes in responsible for the child. The child has their inner guidance. The child is on their path of self-discovery. Yep. The child chose you for sure and understood that it would adopt limiting beliefs along the way. Nothing's wrong with that. Mm -hmm. But we're just talking about a, a nuanced approach where it could be done differently. Yeah. And it could be seen from a different perspective. And if we could just see it from a little bit different perspective, then we would relate to the kids differently in a more empowering way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because they're very powerful little beings when they get here. Very yeah. Powerful. And then they're beaten down mm -hmm. into and submission. Forced into little, little round holes or whatever, little square pegs forced into little round holes. And yeah. I have this idea that the government wants to assimilate us all into this culture. Mm. And it's probably Society. not the government, it's probably just the system as a whole. Yeah. And so they yeah. develop the schools, and so there's a system that they have, and everyone has to conform to the system and be integrated into the society as little automatons, yeah. all... And then what happens is those little automatons have this belief that this is the way it operates. And so there's very few people who are shaking the system. Mm -hmm. But the system we can see is flawed. And that system at some point will fall apart because it's not working. Yeah. And it'll be replaced by something that is working. But yet the parents who are, care mostly about the kids have that limiting belief about the system. And so they're wanting the kids to stay in this assimilation mode rather than in this free expression mode. Yeah. Only because it's that belief and those beliefs are so hard to crack. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Isn't that what uh, the uh, the stream talks about a little bit about that as society building? Like, you know, the, the society is built a certain way so that everybody, it, it supports itself and holds everything up and work, you know, everybody's marching along just, just right, but it doesn't, it doesn't celebrate the individual. It doesn't celebrate what you're here to truly explore. It's like, no, you will do this job. You will go this way versus which way do you want to go kind of thing. Yeah. And in a free society where we were here to explore physical reality in any way we like, mm-hmm. with if, if this um, society was accepting and based in love, mm-hmm. that's how it would be. But right. it's based in fear, and so everyone needs to conform to everything else. And control. Order, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and very possibly that was super important 500 years ago. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but there's problems with the way this is done. And one of them is in science. There's a lot of examples coming up now of radical new ideas about different things. And those people who have radical new ideas uh, endured, you know, 10 years of being criticized until the, that whatever uh, arm of science realizes they're right. Um, and so that's a weird thing. So here someone has a new idea and that person is shouted down by everyone mm-hmm. because the system is the scientists are educated in a certain way and they put that education on a platform because they say, you know, if I spent all that time learning what turned out to be false, right. you know, then where am I? Right. And they put their teachers on a platform because we, we tend to assume that parents have all the answers, the teachers have all the answers, that the president has all the answers. And luckily now we're in a, in a situation where we can see that the president doesn't have all the answers, that, that we, could, we could all place ourselves in that position and we, from our perspective, perceive that we can make better decisions, where this is the first time ever that's happened. I've never thought I could do better than Barack Obama or, or anyone else. But here I say, I certainly could do better than, than that. Because he's just one of us. You know, he's not anyone more important. Yeah. We don't have all the information, though. Yeah, we don't. I'm just saying, it never occurred to me that I could do that job until now. Yeah. Now we can sort of see that, we could, that any of us could do what he's doing, right? And, but this is true of, of these people who are radically finding new things in science. And one of the one of the ideas uh, is that the Sphinx is way older than we think it is. Hmm. Um, and the pyramids are older because they've, they've realized that the structure of it has been, you know, uh, evolved through precipitation. And that precipitation has worn away it, not wind or anything, but precipitation. Well, there's no precipitation there now, but there was a, you know, way earlier than we thought. And so now these pyramids, I think, are six or 8,000 years older than we thought they were. Well, the, the scientist who came up with this idea was literally scoffed out of profession uh, until other people started thinking, well, maybe that's true. Huh. And they realized it, yeah. Huh. Yeah, uh, and it, it's amazing how that works. Anyway, the point is that in the structure of education, people are force-fed these beliefs that they adhere to the rest of their lives. And that's why the structure has a difficulty, you know, changing into something that would be more effective. All right, we have a great question from Sargun, and she asks about her kids. Who wants to read for Joshua? I'll read. Or read for Sargun, I mean, sorry. I'll read for Sargun. Okay. Okay. Dear Joshua, I have a question about raising my children from the perspective of allowing. There are many situations, especially now that we are traveling through Europe, that my children act in ways what many would call unruly. I know it isn't my job to make other people comfortable, but it does seem like there should be some awareness about being in small places with friends whose houses we are staying in or in trains and restaurants. I would like my children to be aware of their surroundings. Is there anything useful about them understanding what expectations are in certain types of environments? What would be 
what would being fully allowing look like? Thank you. Love, Sir Gunn. I love this question. Uh, it's such a good question, too, it. because... Yeah, it's not, it's not like, you know, she's not making anything or anybody wrong. It's just like, this is how society is. You know, how can I help my kids navigate through it without dampening who they truly are? I like it. I've taken a different perspective. When I was in my 30s um, and 40s, I would be in a situation like a plane with a screaming baby, and I would be absolutely annoyed. And in fact, when I got in the plane, I would look around and see if there's any babies around, see how far away I am. <laughs> and now it doesn't bother me a bit. I literally have a completely different perspective, and there's no annoyance whatsoever. And in yeah. fact, I don't find myself near babies anymore anyway. But when they are, I see that, look, they're just expressing who they are. They don't know anything. The parents can't control them. It's not their responsibility to control them. You know, right. I'm not bothered by this. Right. Plus, right. I have head headphones now. So. Yeah. <laughs> you found a device. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Let's jump into that answer. Okay. Dear Sergan. You must understand that your children, like all living things, have a built-in guidance system. They do not need guidance from you in the way you think. From your perspective as a mother, you perceive them from a more limited viewpoint. From the higher perspective of their own inner selves, they are in complete control of their reality, their destination, and are always guided to unfolding of their lives through the intentions they set prior to their birth. One of those intentions was to have you as their mother. This was not a mistake. They chose you intentionally. So all of you mothers and fathers who are li <laughs> listening to this, yeah. you realize that your children chose you intentionally because you have a higher awareness of what's going on here. Hmm. That's why. Hmm. They knew that by coming through you, they would see reality differently than they would in coming through people who were more controlling. You think about Kyla's kids, you know. I know, right? Yeah. I so mean, Kyla's kids get half the time with her and half the time with their father, and they say, see two completely different approaches to life. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, I mean, that's just like that's a that's a big deal. You know what I mean? Like not like similar approaches. They they have like night and day approaches, and for those kids, it'll just be. I still say we should be following them with cameras because it'll just be so interesting to see how their life unfolds because yeah. they'll have like, you know, a restrictive, you know, follow the rules kind of experience. And then just a, Hey, do what, you know, do allow, be who you are kind of experience. And it'll, it'll really be interesting. I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's my kids. I mean, my ex-husband is so controlling, really so limited in his beliefs and my kids see it all the time. You know, the difference, the complete opposite of, you know, yeah. me and them. They're like, oh, you know, and they're like, oh, God, Dad. Oh, oh you know, <laughs> like so crazy. I'm like, I know, I know. I was like, yeah. and, you know, they allow him to be who he is, but they can totally see the difference between yeah. I. Yeah. Interesting. Well, he also allows them to be who they are, too. We have friends whose parent, you know, who, who, um, micromanage every single aspect of the kids' lives and sort of bubble wrap them in this, you know, they, they smooth out every, any possible bump. Mm -hmm. And so they don't let the kids have the manifestation events when they're young, mm -hmm. which I don't know what's going to happen. It's going to be interesting to see. The, you know, the kids seem super happy, but maybe a little bit more timid or mm -hmm. fearful, mm -hmm. you know. If yeah. you, uh, you really need to learn how to fall when you're a baby and a, and a toddler so that you can run when you're older and not right. be afraid of falling. Right. Absolutely. Huh. Absolutely. I'm so wise about children. <laughs> <laughs> you should have one. Yeah. Uh -huh. mm. <laughs> I secretly hope that two or three of them show up at my door and go, Dad. They're like 27 Dad. years old. Dad. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> that would be weird. <laughs> that would be interesting. I, I finally yeah. found you. I yeah, finally found you. Right. I heard you on a podcast. I knew it was you. <laughs> Look just like you. Look. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat>
No, I know why Gary didn't have any kids. I just saw this guy. He had to be over six feet tall outside the house, and he was pushing the baby carriage, and uh-huh. he punched over because he's so tall he can't reach the carriage. Reach the carriage. Well, they have extendable arms now, you know. You can uh, try the stroller with the extendable arms. <laughs> yeah, but you're too old now. No, no more kids. You're too old. Yeah. 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 Miss that window. But it would be super fun to raise that baby, um, you know, from an infant, you know, yeah. knowing what we know now. But I mean, you know what? You know what, though? Think about that because it's almost like we're contradicting what we're saying, knowing what we know. Well, that, that kid would still have to choose us. It would still have to have that trajectory. You know what I mean? Basically, everything would still be in place just as it always has been. Yeah. It would just be a different perspective. And, you know, who's to say that that perspective is good or bad because it's all about trajectory and what you're here to explore. So it's it's an interesting concept for sure. Well, somebody's going to be born to two parents who are totally aware of this stuff. Yeah. And so that experience will be unique like all experiences are. But imagine being a kid where the parents feel fear that the kid's doing something wrong. And instead of changing the kid – they work on their their fear, their limiting beliefs. Mm-hmm. And they they don't act on urges to change the kid. They allow the kid to go through manifestation events. The reason that that you want to help someone going through a manifestation event is because you feel negative emotion and you want to solve that problem of your yeah. own negative emotion. Yeah. But if you can look at the kids, okay, just a manifestation event, perfect. Just a manifestation event, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, well, maybe uh, Trevor and Julie came to mind. They're totally. pretty, yeah, they're, oh, yeah. Pretty, they're on this path and they've got two little ones. Yeah, yeah. totally. Yep. Yeah. I, um, I tell you, that has helped me so much, though, now um, with my children, because when I see them going through a hard time, yes. I can be so much more at ease. I mean, it's completely because the natural instinct is to help them, to save them, to, to rescue them. Right away, rescue them. Yeah, yeah. And now I just look at it like Gary said, you know, oh, look, a manifestation event for them. Wonderful. Yeah. You know, figure it, it out. out. Yeah. yeah. Figure it out. Figure it out. Learn from it. Alignment for them while they're going through this, but they've got to figure it out. Mm-hmm. Imagine a kid having trouble in school. And so you come, you know, so you want to fix this problem. So you hire a tutor or you study with them or you make them do extra homework or you send them to other things. But what if they are intentionally supposed to have trouble at school so that they don't get into that same system? Yeah. And they find what they're supposed to find earlier, you know. Like, so I guess you would have to just get yourself into, into, into an aligned state of being and wait for inspiration. Should right. I get the tutor? Should I not get the tutor? You right. know, I mean, or, and talk with them about it. Cause yeah. Right. Um, we were talking to friends and I said, so what if your son came to you at 16 years old and says, I want to drop out of high school. And she's like, no way in a million years. He would never, I would never allow that. And I'm like, well, what if high school was not valuable to him? And instead something else was what he was interested in. You'd make this choice based on your limiting belief and your fear that something's happening to him rather than his inspiration to do something different, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And it's like, you just got to think about it from that perspective. Yeah. You can't really know what's best to him. All you're doing is trying to solve the problem of your fear around what might happen to him if he doesn't finish high school. Right. But if, I, you, yeah. Yeah, if you look at some successful people, they've, a lot of them, Dropped out of high school. Dropped out, right? Exactly. That's why I told my kids they would struggle. Oh, school sucks. I hate it. I want. I was like, don't go. <laughs> what do I care? Don't <laughs> <Yeah>. go. <laughs> but I allow them to make their own decision. I'm like, well, I don't care. Yeah. yeah, really, it didn't would not matter to me. Yeah. And that's fascinating to me because of you know society and what I grew up. You know. Yeah, because we don't have all the information. We don't know that trajectory that they chose and right. where it's going to lead them. Well, and I would think that you, we could help them with that decision by, again, 
are talking with them about inspiration versus urges. Maybe they just have an urge because, you know, they don't like somebody at school. And so they're running away from the conditions. So there's more to it, I think, than just saying, I don't want to go to school. Okay, don't go to school. I mean, yeah. you've got to work through the process a little bit here and see if it's, a, if it's an inspiration not to go to school. Is it an urge not to go to school? And then there's sure. lots, lots of different paths. They not just don't go or go. You can homeschool. You can take a test. You know, there's just lots of different ways they can look at it. But Totally. At least have those options. Yeah. yeah. I'm just talking as the parents, that fear is going to create this urge to make them do something you think will solve your fear. Yeah. And that might not be appropriate. True. Right. True. Okay. All right. Let's do the next one. Okay. When children are born, they have found a vibration that matches the earth's vibration at the exact time and place of their birth. They come with all the attributes and talents needed to explore reality at birth. Since the vibration of the earth steadily rises without resistance in each moment, children are born at the highest vibration to date. You and the rest of the adult population exhibit resistance, and while your vibration is also rising in every moment, it is not keeping up with the pace of the earth. Therefore, by default, your children are born and live at a higher vibration than you. This means that they are born to this time and place, perfectly capable of navigating their reality as they intended. Yeah. yeah. Says it all right there. Yeah. <laughs> we look at them as if they are, you know, floundering around. Yeah, they don't know. Right, don't know. And, and if we don't teach them what they need to know, but what we're really teaching them is all our limiting beliefs. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny because my grandson is like fixated, just fixated on trash cans and trash trucks right now. I mean, that's his big thing. And there, you know, his mom's always like, "Oh, I don't know, maybe he should play, he's playing with something else." And in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, maybe this kid is going to solve the problem of world trash. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. what's with all our waste? But you don't that's, know. <laughs> that's so interesting because Gary and I were we went to Walmart one day and. Uh, I actually got a cup of coffee in the McDonald's there uh -huh. and there was a couple sitting in the back eating with a young child. I mean, he, yeah, maybe he was like three or four and he was the same way as yours fixated and just amazed by trash. Yes. Yeah, no, he's yeah. picking everything up and, and throwing in the trash. He pours yeah. it and scoops it and moves it and straightens them up and puts them over here. And it's like, okay, something's going on in that little mind, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think the worst thing to do, not the worst, but, you know, it's like, no, 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 don't touch the trash, you know. Right. Like, no, right. let them explore. What? Right. You know? Right. Who knows? They so much fear. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. cool. Right. Okay. You feel fear. You perceive that your children are the cause of your fear. In fear, you dip into a lower emotional state of being based in fear. In fear, you receive urges to change the conditions. Since you perceive that your children are the cause of your fear rather than your limiting beliefs, you ask them to be different than they are. When they behave, your fear is rescinded to an extent. As soon as the fear pops up, you ask them to be different again. So if you get into the cycle, yeah. you say, oh, I can control my fear because I can control them. Uh-huh. You but will not be for big. long. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, not for long is right. <laughs> not for long. And it's funny. Um, growing up, I had a friend. Her name was Sandy Torero. And I always, raising my boys, I called it the Sandy Torero syndrome. She was like just held under her parents' thumb. She was an only child. She couldn't do anything. She couldn't go to school functions. She couldn't go to football games. And this is high school. She couldn't go on dates. I mean, she was just held under their thumb. Well, when she got to college, she was very bright. And when she got to college, she went wild. <laughs> I mean, just everything, everybody, everywhere, right? And so my my thing was, if the boys wanted to do something, I would always say, "Well, it's the Sandy Toro syndrome." Okay, you can do it, but let me just let me just talk with you about it a little bit, you know, or you know, or for instance, sex or whatever. Okay, I know you're going to have sex, but you, let's just talk about it a little bit, you know, like you know, processes or whatever. And you want to go to a party? Okay, you can go to this party. Let's just talk about it a little bit. So. <laughs> It was just that was my 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 kind of guidance post on what yeah they're gonna do it I mean because she would sneak out and do stuff obviously I mean yeah. they're gonna do it let's just talk about you know how you might do that yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. it's like the Catholic girls thing yeah exactly yeah. exactly 
Exactly. Okay. You use the idea of assimilation as your justification to correct the behavior of your child. But how do you correct something that is not wrong to begin with? It can't be done. No amount of control will ever dissuade a child from living the life they came to live. However, your acts of control and discipline invoke limiting beliefs, often around their own worthiness. Your child will pick up these limiting beliefs just as you did. This is not wrong or bad because the exploration of who they truly are, they will make their way through limiting beliefs to discover their authentic selves. However, society as a whole will give them all the limiting beliefs they will ever need. When those beliefs come from someone they hold as their standard, such as a parent, the limiting beliefs become more entrenched. Wow, that's a good paragraph. <laughs> So you use the idea of assimilation. Yeah. Assimilation means that if they assimilate into society, they'll be okay. And mm -hmm. if they don't, they'll be cast out. Yeah. Well, and if you don't control them and give them limiting beliefs, they'll find them someplace else. Yeah. The, the limiting beliefs that they need to adopt to further their exploration. Yes. And those limiting beliefs will be less intense because they come from other people. Mm -hmm. Right? Who they don't hold in such high regard. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. Uh, I think you can see too with parents compared to grandparents. Yes. Somehow the grandparents are way more allowing because there's yes. a, there's a layer of fear removed. Mm -hmm. exactly. Not always, but most of the time. You know? Yeah. Sometimes, yeah. Sometimes grandparents are more fearful that the kids are going to get hurt or do something wrong. Um, you know that then the parents will be upset. But overall, yeah, I find myself well, and just I don't have. Like when I'm with my grandson, I don't have him 24-7. So it's like if he wants to be wild and crazy, you know, go ahead and be wild and crazy. I'm only going to have you for a few hours. I can handle a few hours of wild and crazy yeah. versus all day, you know. So oh, yeah. it's interesting. But if you also think about grandparents and their children who are now raising the grandchildren, mm -hmm. so the grandparents and the relationship with their children, they're in this momentum of telling the people what to do. Yeah. From the time they were kids, and that's still – carries forth when they're in their 30s and 40s, you know. Yeah. And it's, Unless you adopt a new approach to life. <laughs> yeah, so, you're, so you may be raising your kid and having your parents tell you how to raise your kid. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. I, you know, I still get that from my dad. Like he'll make comments about, well, you know, they shouldn't let him do that. And it's like, why not, you know? <laughs> my mother too, for sure. Yeah. But she's getting a lot better, yeah. yeah. Or did but, you yeah. tell them that they need to, you know, blah, 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 blah. It's like, um, they're grown adults. They'll figure right. it out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> not my, not no longer my monkeys. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I remember my brother and my mother got really mad at me one day. You know, it was a holiday and the girls didn't want to go. You know, I have two yeah. girls and a boy. So it was just me and my son. We went, you know, to my mother's house for the holiday and they were furious and they blamed me for the girls not coming and they Oh, it was just crazy. I was like, I left. <laughs> I was like, listen, I'm out of here. I says, I says, I, I'm in no control of them. I says, it was their choice not to come. It's your, it's your responsibility to force them to come. I went, mm, interesting. I'm going to go now. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> and I left the house. <laughs> it was just, it's amazing though to see how, you know, our parents. All the fears, like what were the fears around your mom and your brother that obviously they were going to lose their granddaughters and nieces because you didn't bring them to a family function. And exactly. That. Yeah, or you were inappropriate for allowing them to make their own decisions. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Fascinating. Another thing about limiting beliefs. Well, obviously, limiting beliefs are not bad. We need limiting beliefs to work through. Um, and as a parent, you don't have to worry about them adopting limiting beliefs because if they do, that's fine. They intended to it. Mm -hmm. and, it's, uh, and if you don't give them the limiting belief, they're going to get it somewhere else. And maybe they came in with it, by the way. Yeah. Oh, we've been talking to people who have, were raised in, you know, wonderfully great families, but they still have limiting beliefs around worthiness and they cannot trace it to anything the parents ever did. The parents were totally supportive. And mm -hmm. one kid may be fine and confident and everything. And another kid in the same family feels totally unworthy. Oh Yeah. One yeah, feels abundant. Yeah, yeah, one one is focused on abundance. One is focused on pure lack. Mm -hmm. And we tend to blame our parents for that, but that's not necessarily true. 
Right. So I don't want anyone to think that they have to worry about it. It's just a different perspective, just to think yeah. about, just a tiny bit. No yeah. Well, and the blaming aspect, I think, has something to do with it. Because my brother and I have that, where he says, you know, our childhood was terrible, and, you know, it was just the worst childhood ever, where I'm like, no, I don't have that same perspective. I, you know, I feel that we had a normal childhood or whatever. You know, there's always things in childhoods that are going to pop up. But he, he is not happy with who he is, I believe. And so he looks for the outside blame. Like he mm. wants to blame somebody for his unhappiness rather than I've done a lot of work on, you know, finding my own happiness versus blaming my mother or blaming my father for not giving me the love I deserved or whatever. But I think it's just, you, you're, like you said, maybe he they didn't give him those limiting beliefs but he's adopted now these limiting beliefs to uh to justify his lack of self-confidence or lack of feeling good yeah absolutely yeah Yeah. and you know that is uh, also very tough because if you have that as your crutch yes you're not going to give that up nope Right. Yeah. My, my brother take um, responsibility for your, oh, you know, your actions. In exactly. The oh. Yeah, exactly. My brother um, was 11 when my mom left. So so that's quite a substantial difference in age. I'm 13. Yeah. And so his whole idea of that time, while mine was I felt guilty because I was happy she was leaving. Yeah. You know, he's <laughs> losing his mother at the age of 11, sort of on his own. And so he always resented that, you know, it's, it still does um, on both their parts. And he always had very hard time building a relationship with them mm. and his own kids. So his kids never really got to know their grandparents because of, of his, you know, lingering resentment around it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, so, you know, it has way less to do about our parents than we think. Yes. And you can't, you cannot make a mistake with your children. It's not possible, yeah. right? Yeah. Whatever happens is meant to happen. So don't ever worry about that. Yeah. And especially can, since now we know we chose our parents. For sure. You know what I mean? It's like yeah. they just did, they played their role. They played yeah. it perfectly. And they're also, you know, there for you for mirror too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Certainly, you cannot stop controlling your children. At times, you will become overwhelmed. We are merely suggesting to you that there is a higher perspective to look at when dealing with your children. If you are like most parents, you will control them and tell yourself that you are doing them a service. We come along to show you another perspective. You are only controlling them to control your fear. Your fear is derived from limiting beliefs. You think, what if they do something wrong? How will that affect them and how will others perceive me as a mother? These are surely limiting beliefs you adopted from your own parents. It's interesting, too, because, you know, Shergan brought up that um, on the Joshua Live call about her mom, her overhearing something that her mom said about her. And gosh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> These questions, by the way, are answers to direct uh the answers are to this question. While yeah. we're going to understand things from a different perspective, this is for Sir Gunn. For Sir Gunn, yeah. absolutely. And in absolutely. that case, she overheard her mother criticizing her as a parent. Mm-hmm. Um, and so this was, you know, obviously, this is the source of that, of that question. Yes. And you know what, what it, that and it all kind of comes together for me now because it's like, it's created a wobble for her. Whereas maybe if she, maybe she was already having some doubts or limiting beliefs about how she was being a parent. Now here comes the manifestation with her mom. And so she starts rethinking everything and now she's in Europe and the kids are doing this. It's all, it's all coming to her to work through some deep limiting beliefs. And how exciting is that? Yeah, and she's highly spiritual. You know, yes, so she very, understands very much this stuff. So. Yeah, um, and you know, with her understanding this now, she's probably more allowing mm-hmm. than other parents. And her yes. mother sees this and is criticizing her by be, for being more allowing. Yeah, which is, I'm sure, what a lot of you out there will experience if you stop worrying so much about their behavior. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All that judgment's yeah. going to come out, you because know. Because your limiting belief is you must control your children. And yep. for you to become who you truly are, you have to process that 
belief. Mm-hmm. That's, if it's coming out in manifestation events. Right. Wow. Yeah. And that, I mean, that, and that's just exciting. The, the little that I've gotten to know Shurgan and I think this is awesome. She's just going to, she's going to a whole new level with this. Yeah. And, and like, you know, we've talked about in the boot camp, she'll be able to help other moms now in this similar situations to work through these limiting beliefs. That's Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. If you do not control your children, what do you think will happen? Will they become wild banshees disregarding the norms of society and instead blaze their own trails? That would be nice. Rather, others will enforce their control over your children. Other parents, teachers, authority figures, and even their own friends will try to control their behavior. Mm -hmm. They will eventually be assimilated into your fearful society but at least they will not have the additional layers of limiting beliefs imposed by their mother. That would truly be the greatest gift you could ever give them. With our love, we are Joshua. Oh, that last paragraph. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Do you guys remember Star Trek, the next generation, the biggest enemy was the Borg who would go along and assimilate everyone into this Borg society. And of course, the humans were like, this is the worst thing that could ever happen. But our society is all based in assimilation. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. There's Come very forward. few outliers. Yeah. yeah. And if there are, they uh, they hear about it. But anyway. What a great question. Thank you, Sir. That's Gunn. a great question. Thank yeah. you, Sir Gunn. And, and so just think a little bit more about, about the fear you feel with your children and the fear you feel – with your children who have children, you know? Yeah. 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 You you know, if you, if you don't act on urges to change conditions, you're not adding fear into the relationship. This is one of the big things about the boot camp is that we're understanding that when we feel negative emotion, we dip into a lower emotional state of being, we think something's wrong and we receive urges to fix the conditions. Men are from Mars, women are from Venus, right? That's men feeling negative emotion because their mate is going through something and they want to solve the problem of their negative emotion by fixing the mate. And so they act on an urge and that urge is always adding fear into the situation, never resolves anything. And this is what causes the argument to happen. Now, imagine you don't act on an urge. You wait until you get back into alignment and then you receive the inspiration. The inspiration may or may not come. It doesn't matter, but at least you're not acting on an urge to add more fear to it. You're accepting. And what you're doing is you're presenting love into this relationship. And who doesn't want to have more love in the relationship? Obviously, this is one of the reasons that relationships get so much stronger and brighter and happier as a result of the boot camp. Yeah. Plus everything else. Because you're not adding fear into your money. You're not adding fear into your health. You're not adding fear into your well-being. Everything improves because you realize what you're doing when you're acting on urges. Yes, gosh. It's and it's funny too now going through it a couple times. It's like I can't. Even if like like my first reaction will be to go to that controlling point or to grow go to that, you know, more mostly controlling point. Yep. And now it's like, I can't, no, I can't do that. Nope. <laughs> it's like, it. it's just, no, let's nope. look at it from a different perspective. <laughs> this is another thing. The Joshua Live was released today. And it's, it's uh, the thing you really want. Uh-huh. And what it is, is you really want to be in the moment. Okay. Because in the moment, if you have clarity, if you can live in that moment, yeah, you know, then you can realize that negative emotion that's happening and stop yourself from speaking yes, or acting. Yes, absolutely. Yep. Yep. Let yep. it go. Yeah. Yep. I you know that's that's part of my list of appreciation is I appreciate clarity and then always my intentions. I intend to be to have clarity. That's like a big thing that I've realized that that kind of everything stems from there. If I'm in the moment and clear about my intentions, then everything just is, is smoother. I'm able to not react and not and urges but follow inspiration more and yeah clarity's yeah. a, a good thing start the next boot camp july 8th monday july 8th it's today is june 1st and by the time this is out there it might be the middle of june yeah. so if you're thinking about the boot camp you send an email to joshua teachings at gmail and then we'll set up a conversation we can talk about what it is uh, if you're not sure, you can uh, ask for the course. Uh, 
It's a free seven-day course. Um, it is raising your vibration by processing limiting beliefs over seven days. It's 40-something pages long, and it's really effective. If you want to know where you are in life, you do this course, you'll figure it out right, right away. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's free, so just send an email to joshuateachings at gmail. I'll send it out to you. Plus, you get two free meditations that you do with it, Clarity and Abundance. Okay. Um, if you're not meditating, the meditations are on Amazon Music or Spotify for free. They're, fifth, they're all 15 minutes long. So you can check out, you know, just do it for free and see if you can get into meditating because this will be the one thing that will begin your spiritual awakening. It will spark everything. It will spark it. Yep. Oh, and I am going to record a new meditation today on conscious parenting. Oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. yeah. If you're not yet a Friends of Joshua uh, Facebook person, you can join our group. And we're doing all things Joshua quotes and conversations. And we put questions up there and tell you about events and things like that. So join that. Friends of Joshua Facebook group. Um, and what else? Okay. This podcast is wherever you get it, Podbean or iTunes or wherever it is, follow it. Do me a favor and follow that. Joshua Live is our other podcast. Go to Podbean or wherever you get podcasts and follow that one as well. It's becoming, these two podcasts, especially Joshua Live, is becoming one of the most popular Law of Attraction podcasts on earth. We are people around the world are, it's just gone crazy in the last three or four months and it's growing by leaps and bounds. So check that one out too. Nice. And otherwise, you know, be kind to your kids and <laughs> have a good weekend. We'll see you guys later. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the teachings of Joshua Roundtable. Remember, you are loved more than you can imagine by more than you could ever count. We'll see you next week.